Welcome to the Sunday session once again on NRL.com, round 24, done and dusted. My name is Chris Kennedy and I'm joined as usual by Kenny Scott to talk through all eight games. Kenny, thank you so much for being here. It's great to be here, CK. We are so close. We are so close to the end and things are just about to heat up. They are about to heat up. Plenty to talk about in round 24. Before we talk some footy, I had a bit of a chat to Mitch Barnett earlier today. The uh, Knights obviously guaranteeing themselves a, uh, a finals berth over the course of the weekend. So before we chat some footy, let's have a quick listen to Mitch Barnett. And with Mitch Barnett from the Newcastle Knights, a uh, pretty good news story this week. Mitch, uh, you guys back-to-back finals appearances now locked in. No way you can miss the playoffs in season uh, 2021. Must be a good feeling amongst the group. Yeah, definitely. It's a great feeling. Um, it t- takes the pressure off, but it's a reward for uh, last month of footy. Um, I thought we've been very resilient. And, um, yeah, it helps when you've got your spine members and your best players playing well. I was going to touch on that. You guys, for the first, I don't even know, 17, 18 weeks, I hardly had a game with your, your best spine altogether, getting a bit of time with, you know, Kale and Mitch, Jake and, and Jaden all on the park together and, and Bradman, who's obviously missed a lot of footy this year. And I know you guys have had some ins and outs in the um, the forward pack and in the, the back line as well, but particularly those structural players, it must sort of help building a, a little bit of continuity heading towards the business end of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, KP and... Uh, junior, obviously the big ones. Um, you know, you take your two best players in key positions out of any side, and um, yeah, you definitely don't go as well. But that's not making an excuse up for um, you know performances this year. Just, just um, it's just me saying it's a good um, thing to have them back mm. and playing so well. I thought Junior was clutch the other night, and um, even keep that sort of form up. Um, you know, we'll be very happy with that and excited for the finals. Well, yeah, you've certainly been there and done it before, uh, Junior. What about the um, the pack, mate? You guys, the, the Titans have got a very imposing uh, forward pack. You guys had to do it on the weekend. No, um, no DSAF, no, uh, Clem was out as well. So you guys have had, uh, like I said, some, you know, Tyson's obviously missed some some games as well. I think um, Lockie Fitz is out now for the, the season. So um, pr- plenty of duress in the, the forward pack as well. So the guys that were there also, you know, stood up. Yeah, definitely. Um, our, our forward pack, um, well, our forwards through the club, I think, um, you know, we run pretty deep. We've got some good young fellas. I think Jaira um, and Pasami Solo, uh, two good players coming through. And, um, yeah, uh, our bench there was a bit young, but um, I thought they come and did a terrific job. Um, and, yeah, the forwards, um, the Titans are a really good side. I thought it was a real tough game, um, both sort of teams. I guess struggled to get out of their own end, but um, at the end of the day, yeah, Junior got us across the line and um, very pleasing to lock that seventh spot up. What did you make of the uh, the performance? Obviously, probably had to do it, I guess, the uh, the tough way at times, but, you know, you just needed the win and you got the win. Yeah, definitely. Um, our, our attack, everyone's been talking about it, but we I thought we improved a lot. But the pleasing thing is uh, our defence was... Um, really good. Um, that's been questioned at times during the year, but I think the last month we've been a lot better, um, especially against the Titans. They, they play some footy. They're really good yeah. offensively. Um, they yeah they move you all over the place and they get you sort of doing a lot of mental reps, just chasing the ball and filling the space and that. Um, and yeah, so they put a lot of fatigue in you and they completed really well. So very pleasing to have a defensive result, I reckon. 
What do you, um, what sort of mentality do you take into this game next week? Because I think it's now impossible for you to finish anything other than seventh. You, it's sort of a, a two-game buffer both above you and below you. So, I mean, obviously you're going to be trying to win the game and I guess it'll be up to um, two ads whether or not you, um, you rest players. But what sort of mentality do you take in the game? Just try and, you know, just keep building that confidence and the, the momentum and the, the combinations or, you know, desperate to get a win going into the, uh, the final series? Yeah, look, you're still going to have a mentality of winning. and that, That's in every game. You want to take some momentum heading into finals. But um, I'm not I'm not too sure. Uh, we obviously want to hold on to that defensive uh, mentality, but might, um, you know, take a bit of pressure off us unlocking a few things in our attack maybe. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that as far as, um, you know, we're all concerned, we're just looking at it like it's another game. Um, we've been looking at it week to week and, that's how we've got to continue doing it, especially heading into finals. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's obviously, you know, it's an NRL game. You want to take it seriously. You want to win. But it could potentially, I guess, be a little bit of a, a free throw at the stumps in terms of trying a, a few things footy-wise and, and working on a few things you might not have, you know, felt comfortable doing when the, you know, the stakes were as high as they were in recent weeks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, yeah, it, like it's, you know, you're, we don't know what we're doing yet, whether the blokes are getting rested or whatnot. Yeah. So it depends on that lineup. Um, but yeah, the pleasing thing is, is um, there is no pressure now. We do have that seventh, seventh spot locked up. And um, yeah, we just want to get a another good performance in, another win, just so we can carry some momentum heading into the finals. What about just your own form this year, mate? You've sort of, you've obviously had to play both edge and middle. Seems like you're pretty comfortably in both, but uh, I guess happy, you know, doing that, you know, ver- versatile role with, a, you know, a couple of different responsibilities and whichever one the team needs, you, you throw yourself into. Yeah, yeah, as he likes me being able to be flexible. Um, I guess, you know, now this day and age, you got to, um, you look at guys like Brandon Smith and that at Melbourne, he plays mm-hmm. hooker and sort of, Locking that, so I think that helps. Uh, it's just good for a team, but wherever they need me, um, I'll just slot into. Um, and yeah, just happy to be playing and winning. I mean, you uh, you've been at the club a fair while now. You came in at the, the tail end of, I guess, the the tough period, the the rebuild. So you know, from where the club was in in 2016 when you started there to be making back to back final series, it must be a nice feeling to like you know not only that the club's improved so much, but you sort of been able to be part of that that rebuild, and, and it must be good for the fans as well. Yeah, it is. It's um it's good for our fan base, um, especially I think earlier in the year we um had a few poor performances. I think we were sitting 14th on the ladder at one stage. And, uh, you know, our fans, they deserve us to succeed. Um, they've been through a very hard period. And, um, you know, I think we also had each other to play well week in, week out. You know, you put the hard effort in, in you know, pre-season and then during the year, um, you know, it's very rewarding. But it's only half a job, um, you know, the next goal is to, you know, win the first semi and then, yeah, we just keep setting small targets for ourselves. I was originally going to ask you, it looked like you guys were almost certain to play Parramatta in the uh, the first week, but they sprung a bit of an upset on the storm. So I'm now not sure whether you guys are looking at the Eels, the, the Sea Eagles or the Roosters, but I guess whoever it is, it's it's going to be a, a good team and a big challenge come week one of the finals. Yeah, definitely. Um, doesn't matter who you get in finals, uh, it's going to be challenging, but um, look, we're all up in Queensland and, um, you know, it's we're all on sort of an even playing field, I guess. But uh, whoever we get, um, it's going to be a big challenge, massive step up and it's one where 
really excited for and looking forward to it. Well, Mitch, I, uh, we massively appreciate you taking some time out of your Sunday to stop by the uh, the Sunday session on NRL.com. Um, congratulations once again. Obviously, back-to-back -back finals uh, series are a huge achievement. All the best for uh, the Broncos next week and for the uh, the final series to come. Beautiful. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Now, thanks once again to the Newcastle Knights and Mitch Barnett for dialing into the Sunday session podcast. Let's get cracking on some games. Um, the one we've just seen, the Panthers up against the West Tigers, 30 points to 16. Kenny Scott, the Tigers probably um, out of the running before this one kicked off. A, a funny old game, Panthers probably not as... Um, fluent as they've been at times this year um you know certainly some chances gone begging what did you make of this one yeah i mean this was i don't think anyone ever really gave the tigers a chance the, the one thing that probably could have swayed the potential result of this game in tigers favor is the fact that there's no pressure because you know their season's done they can't they can't make the finals that's confirmed um I mean, you know, there are several uh, losses away from getting going anywhere near the wooden spoon so this is just you know, essentially a fun run for the Tigers. And, and those kind of games is where the Tigers can, can actually play some pretty good football. And I, and I do wonder, had, um, had Adam Dewey been in the side for this match, um, you know, result could have been, um, you know, the potential could have got a win because the Panthers, I mean, for the first half at least, they weren't, um, like, they weren't at their best. I'm not saying they were poor, but they definitely weren't the, you know, the, the blistering Panthers that we've seen throughout the year. Nathan Cleary had a mixed game, um, the mixed game with his kicks, like his short kicking game was pretty good, you know, aiming for the goalposts and stuff, but those long kicks, I know the wind was pretty severe at the ground, I think, but his um, long kicking game was definitely unclearly like um, And yeah, I mean, you know, it was a pretty predictable result in the end. Um, you know, what, what, what more can you say? The, the Panthers roll on and Tigers, unfortunately, I don't think they're even going to get ninth this year, which is a real shame. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think they can finish in the uh, the top 10 from where they are sitting now, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, no Dewey was always going to be tough. I did like a few of their, I, I liked Stefano Utikamano in this game. He's really sort of come of age uh, this year. He got a tiny taste of NRL last year, but he's moved from a, you know, a fringe first grader or an emerging first grader into a genuine starter at the Tigers um, this year. Good to see him gallop away and get a try. Um, but yeah, probably just, you know, winding in the season now for, for West, whereas for Penrith, a, um, you know, a clunky performance, but probably good to get that one out of the way uh, before the, um, the do or die stuff hits. Yeah, you've got to get your bad games away against the Tigers and then um, you know, save your good ones for the, for, the, for, the, for the games that matter. Probably um, all we need to say about that one. Let's move on to the earlier Sunday game. <laughs> Plenty going on in this one. The final score, Manly 36 points to 18 over the Bulldogs. Uh, I don't really think tells the story of how this game pans out. The Dogs up 12 points to 10 at halftime. Um, Cops some pretty bad luck early in the uh, the second half, I thought. Um, and uh, probably at the end as well, Manly, uh, late Tom Travojevich hat trick, uh, blew the score out with a long-range intercepts try right on full time. So, yeah, score uh, not really indicative of the way this game panned out, I thought. Yeah, I thought, I mean, this one is kind of similar to the, the game after it with the Tigers um, in that, you know, absolutely no pressure on the Bulldogs, right? Their fate is sealed. We all know where they're finishing. This is like the second last game of the year. We've got Phil Gould, you know, looming big on the horizon, about to do a, a potential roster clean out. Everyone's on notice, all that sort of stuff. You're playing up against um, a potential top four side. Go out there and just go hard. Do not stop and stick it to them. Um, and they did it for a good a good portion of this game. I think, um, you know, a 12-10 halftime score, no one would have predicted that. Mm. It, it kind of did eventually go to script though, because really... Um, regardless of how um, you know un, uh, how far away from their best manly were, uh, I didn't you know, I didn't really ever expect the Bulldogs to get away with this one, but they did definitely hold them um, hold them to account for a good portion. 
Yeah, Manly certainly left some points out there in the first half. A bunch of line breaks they didn't capitalise on. Jason Saab dropped the ball over the try line. They had a potential try right on half time where the, the last pass uh, went forward. So, um, you know, as well as the Bulldogs did, they, um, you know, Manly certainly weren't at their best. I was quite impressed by Canterbury's goal line defence for a lot of this. They um, they turned away quite a few sort of attacking raids in a manner they haven't done for large portions of this year. So a few little positive um, glimmers there for uh, Tread Barrett's man. Did you have much of a view on, um, I guess, the two really controversial moments? The um, the first Tom Travojevic try uh, looked like uh, Jack Hetherington had managed to, to save it, but then um, a dubious grounding was awarded. And shortly after that, the um, that the hair pull that left Joe Stimson on report, he sort of got a, a handful of Marty Tapao's jersey and braids and let go of it pretty quickly, but found himself on report and, and two points to Canterbury out of that as well. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm a bit, uh, maybe just this is indicative of what point, the point of the season that we're at, but like talking about um, potentially contentious try, to see try awarding or, or, you know, not awarding. I don't know. I mean, it looked like, I don't think it was a try, but, um, you know, I'm not surprised that it was. Uh, and then um, regarding the hair pull, haven't people been, you know, pulling hair, not that, not that I'm condoning it, but it's been happening um, some, you know, pretty blatantly at times like most of the you know the last 20 or 30 years like it's mm. I'm, i was surprised that that that, that, that was um that, that was called yeah i mean it's one thing if you're chasing after a guy and you yank on his braids to to drag him down in open space but this one looked pretty accidentally went to grab jersey and second he saw he had braids in his hand he uh he let them go so a bit a little bit unlucky for uh joe stimson there but in the end uh wash up uh, dc and turbo both had great games turbo another hat trick dce um did some great stuff as well set up a couple of tries and manly now only have to beat the cowboys in round 25 to uh, guarantee themselves a top four finish which is pretty remarkable from where they were um four or five weeks into the season but um a chance of a you know top four finish and two bites of the cherry is uh, is massive for them um let's talk about saturday night because this was um this was a bell ringer the uh, eels and the storm i didn't give Parramatta uh, a huge chance in this one i thought you know i know eels beat them um you know, a, a grinding, low-scoring match. The Eels were impressive at the start of the year, winning, I was at 16-12 back in round two or whenever it was. But um, since then, the storm of, you know, won one, 19 in a row from from round four onwards, just absolutely blitzed all comers. And, and Eels have been, you know, absolutely rocked the past month. I know they beat the Cowboys last week, but they were diabolical for a, a few games before that. I, I didn't see this performance or this result coming at all. So this was, yeah, this, this was... Unbelievable, like an amazing game from Parramatta all rounds, like, you know, a full air quotes, 80 minute performance. We spoke last week, how, you know, Parramatta were looking for redemption. They've had a horror run. They're out of form. A pretty so-so win against the Cowboys doesn't really do it. That's not what the fans would have been looking for. This is the performance that everybody would have been looking for. And, what, and you know, the perfect time to pull it off as well when you're going in against premiership favourites, uh, the Melbourne Storm. The one question would be is, you know, and where's this been all year? You know, like that was that kind of performance. If they played that way every single game, then they would be, you know, top two um, premiership bound, you know, unstoppable because they just looked relentless. And it wasn't, um, their attack was, was, you know, really, really great, but it was the defense that like rock hard desperation, you know, red line, whatever you want to call it. It was just, impenetrable and against Melbourne that's like that's saying something because Melbourne are just a they're just a machine right they just won't stop they'll you know they may not be fast at times but they'll just they'll grind 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 eventually they'll get you but Parramatta just kept denying them it was like really impressive and I'm curious 
we spoke about um, you know how you as a as an Eels fan digested last week's unconvincing win. How do you feel now? Yeah, I um I didn't think they were going to win this game until probably about ten minutes to go. As well as they were playing, I just kind of felt like the Storm were going to find something at the end. But um, Eels just kept holding them out. I think one of the Eels' problems over that uh, losing run was they just weren't getting quite the same sting out of their pack that they were getting at the start of the year. I thought this was Nathan Brown's best game in quite a long time. Um, Isaiah Papali and Junior Paulo were, were phenomenal as well. I mean, I know both teams were um, missing a few players, but Eels, no Mike Acevo, no Regan Campbell-Gillard, no Ryan Madison. Um, you know, Tom Opacek was out, which, you know, forced a, a rookie <coughs> into the... Um, the, the back line. So um, yeah, it's certainly missing some, some cattle Parramatta and yeah, just that, um, like you said, the defense, the resilience on the line, I know storm probably not at their, their most fluent um, all year, but a real statement game from the Eels. I'm almost a bit disappointed that um, Manly is going to shore up a, a top four spot almost certainly, because I'd love to see what would happen if uh, Parramatta finished fourth and Melbourne finished first and uh, went into that week one of the finals, having beaten the storm twice, uh, whether they could back it up for a, a third go. Yeah, there's a nice little rivalry building here between these two teams. So, um, you know, the higher the stakes the game, uh, the more intense uh, the game will be. I've got a question for you about um, Ryan Pappenhausen. How do you think, like watching this game, I feel, I think, um, I actually, he copped a couple of big knocks. Yeah. um, And he had had at least one HA assessment on the field. And to me, it looked, I don't know, he just doesn't look as, he looks different, a different player um, to what he was prior to that, that, time he took off due to concussion um you know what do you think i mean yeah he doesn't look the same player that he was before um before the layoff um I don't really know what the answer is. He's such a magnificent player that I think they're they're just waiting for him to recapture that spark. He's such a um you know a game breaker when he gets it right. He did cop a couple of knocks. In this one, whether that played a part, he obviously mm. played out the 80 minutes. He didn't have to go off for an HIA, which I guess is a good sign given uh, what he's been through um, this year. It's only, I guess, really such a talking point because the Storm do have Nico Hines. They've got another elite informed fullback who they could theoretically be starting with, a guy who wouldn't be outside the starting 13 at almost any other club. So, um, you know, the, most teams, if Brian Pappenhausen was there and, and not playing his best, you'd just go, well, we, you know, of course we're going to keep playing him, but the Storm have actually got another elite fullback they they have the option of using, which is why um, people are sort of asking the question. I, you know, I love watching Pappenhausen play. I hope he gets back to his best, but um, it is a bit of a, a conundrum, I guess, for the Storm. Yeah, I just feel like it looks like the big hits affect him more than they had previously. Like he was a real, you know, body on the line kind of guy. Uh, like maybe just had coming, having that kind of injury and coming back through whatever it is that he's, he's had to get through rehab wise. Maybe that's just, you know, it's like anybody coming out from any kind of injury, it's probably playing on your mind a little bit. And maybe that's all it is, but it, it just looks, yeah, when he cops a really big hit, whether it's perfectly legal or, um, you know, gets on the court, it just looks like it, it, it affects him more than it used to. Yeah, I mean, even that one last night, he sort of ran through ahead of the ball and, and bumped into Dylan Brown, who pretty much just braced himself. But it was minor contact um, between Brown and, and Pappenhausen. He looked pretty shaken after that one, obviously stayed on. But mm. um, yeah, it's a, a bit of a worry when sort of relatively minor contact is, um, you know, is causing you a bit of concern. Uh, but yeah, fingers crossed he's okay. And uh, I guess, yeah, the, the point for both teams, uh, Melbourne's still going to finish first if they uh, beat the Sharks in the last round. Eels probably can't finish fourth they would need manly to uh to lose uh to the cowboys but it does make things uh, interesting heading into the finals with the eels recapturing a bit of form and, and putting in a uh, a statement game 
Anyway, the previous Saturday game, the Sharks 24 points to 16 over the Broncos. Another game towards the back end of the year where the uh, Broncos have been pretty entertaining um, to watch. Anthony Milford, Payne Haas, a couple of, uh, you know, Tessie New, a few real standout performers for them once again. But uh, Cronulla now, they fate very much in their own hands, sitting in eighth. Um, they do have to face Melbourne in the uh, the last round, but um, getting close to uh, shoring up a final spot for them. What do you make of this game? Maybe it's maybe it was the you know the, the fact that Brisbane were uh, playing quite quite entertaining football. It was at Suncorp, but this game didn't feel like really fast to you. Like I felt like it just felt like a really relentless, quick game. And Brisbane, like if, uh, Brisbane, I feel have really turned a corner, at least in terms of their enthusiasm or spirit or I don't know, something intangible, because they do seem like we've seen them sort of play almost almost like a depressed team, like sad players um unsure of what they're supposed to be doing um not really sure how to how to deal with adversity and, and how to um how to face you know a crisis uh to a team that seems really positive really upbeat they seem like they're enjoying playing like they're not getting the results all the time but they're um it's just seemed like the attitude wise something has really changed amongst that team and you can see it in this game as well like with, with the speed and um and again maybe it's what i was talking about earlier and that you know there's no pressure they're not going to get the wooden spoon there's no finals thing on the line just go out there and try and ruin the shark season i guess is, is all they had for inspiration and um you know 18 10 at half time i thought uh the result could have gone you know it could have gone brisbane's way in fact i was kind of willing it to because um i think that would have made the finals race a little bit more interesting as well um about the sharks you know i think i declared uh i think i held up the sharks as a textbook uh example of how to burn a season when they chucked out john mm. morris earlier in the year and here, here they are eighth spot or thereabouts um you know they're i don't know how they managed to keep winning games maybe they're just you know just coming up against um much more beatable teams at this at this uh time of year but you know they've townsend's not playing anymore sean johnson's gone like you know injuries or uh, change of coach but they still managed to string wins together so um congratulations to them I mean, that said, you know, we probably don't expect the Sharks to make too much of a dent in the final series. And, then, you know, they're not there yet. If they don't beat Melbourne next week, and I know Melbourne's probably going to rest some players, but you'd still be backing Melbourne to win. And um, Canberra's only got to get past an injury-destroyed Roosters to uh, to move past them on the ladder. So, you know, the Titans can over- overtake them uh, as well. So certainly not there yet, um, the Sharks, but a um, couple of pretty impressive wins back-to-back is, uh, is certainly good signs for them. The first Saturday game, the uh, Cowboys 38 points to 26 over the Dragons. This was a wild ride. Um, I really enjoyed this one. Actually, there was a lot of fun stuff in this game. Okay, if if uh, rugby league was a summer fling, this is the game. Like it was just no consequences. You know, let's just live in the moment. No one has to worry about what's happening tomorrow because again, both seasons are over. Um, let's just go out there and have some fun and, and just enjoy ourselves. And that's and that's what it was. Like you said, it was a wild ride. Like it was fast, footloose and fancy free. I, I had a great afternoon watching it. I don't even know sort of where to start with this one. It looked like, um, you know, same old Cowboys at the start and Dragons were going to be able to get the win without necessarily playing all that well. And then um, Cowboys just flicked a switch early in the second half. Was it four tries in about 10 minutes or not even 10 minutes? They were just absolutely just running rampant. Um, I guess if you're a Cowboys fan or Todd Payton, you'd be wondering a little bit where this has been. But um, I I guess to an extent that the Dragons defense played a part, but um, that stretch of the game in particular was fun to watch. Yeah, it was. Well, I'm just looking at the um, the match card now. They've got the 45th, 47th, 50th, and 53rd minute. That's yeah, four tries in eight or nine minutes. That's that's amazing stuff. 
um, yeah, like, and that just added to the spectacle because it, it looked like the Dragons, the Dragons were firmly um, in, uh, in control of the game up to that point. And then, you know, out of nowhere, straight up the middle, these amazing um, Cowboys tries back to back to back to back. Um, yeah, it, it was great fun. I think for the poor old Dragons like that, um, I guess it all goes back to that, you know, the ill, um, the infamous barbecue incident. Um, and that's just really, I don't think, I don't, I don't think they were a chance of making the finals anyway, but that's just sort of just started this, you know, very slow but steady descent. Uh, and this is, you know, the last, uh, you know, yeah, the last results of that previous action. Mm. The second half kind of took the gloss away from it, but the first half we were all sort of thinking, you know, these are great signs for the Dragons. You know, Tyrell Sloan's playing really well. Jaden Sullivan's playing well. You know, Talatelamon is playing really well. Uh, a lot of these young guys who are going to be there for a while into the future who've got all this talent were, were doing really good things on the field. So even though the, um, the second half's taken some of the gloss away from that, I still think those positives remain for the Dragons. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the Dragons have had to have one eye firmly on the future for a while now with their, um, you know, they, they've got a, they're moving a few people on. Obviously, a new coach is coming in and still has to shape the team that, that he wants. Um, so, yeah, I mean, green shoots there. Anyway, that uh, is all for the Dragons and the Cowboys. Let's talk about the controversy. The Roosters and the Rabbitohs were back at it, the old rivalry on Friday night. 54 points to 12, the Rabbitohs finished up. Uh, winning this one, but the scoreline almost became uh, irrelevant uh, at parts of this, certainly once the uh, result was beyond doubt and all the um, the focus since has been on that challenge from Latrell Mitchell on Joey Manu, a couple of guys who played a lot of footy together, won premierships together, centre partners together. I remember interviewing these guys in grand final week. I can't remember what season it was, but talking about doing opposed sessions and they're you know, running lefts v rights and they're up against each other and the, the friendly rivalry they had, but it, it didn't look too friendly on Friday night. Well, you know, Roosters South games, they're they're classic grudge matches. And man, wow, was this was this a grudge match? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, if we, if, should we just focus um, specifically on the on the Latrell Latrell Mitchell Joey Manu incident? Because I mean, why wouldn't everybody else is talking about it? Um, you know, Latrell Mitchell plays with a lot of aggression, and that's great at times. Um, he went into this tackle uh, wanting to do a lot of damage legally, uh, lost control. Um, you know, and ended up causing a pretty significant injury. Um, I don't think he, he deliberately, he went into the tackle aggressively, but not to do anything illegal. And it just, you know, when you do those things and you're not in control of it, you've got to pay the price. Unfortunately, Manu's going to play the, pay the price because he'll be out for the season. Um, and I think uh, Latrell Mitchell, you know, likewise is going to have to spend some time out. What, six weeks, I think is what he's got. Yeah, so it's season over for Latrell. Souths are taking the early plea. So it was a, um, you know, I think the match review committee got this one right. They gave him a, a grade two reckless. Um, there's three grades of careless. There's three grades of reckless and there's three grades of intentional. You don't really see intentionals um, ever. Um, I think some of the conversation has been distracted around whether Latrell was trying to hurt him. I don't really think anyone believes that Latrell was trying to fracture Joey Manu's face. I think it's just... I think it was reckless. I think he was going in there with force, trying to make, you know, a big impact, which is fine. It's rugby league. It's physical. It's what you've got to do. But he sort of took his eyes off his target and he lost control of what he was doing and he failed in his duty of care, you know, to a guy that, you know, I assume if not still mates, certainly were good mates for a long time. He failed in his duty of care to protect his, his opposition player and the result was a serious injury. So certain, like I love the way Latrell plays. I love watching him. I love the physicality, but there's a few things he's got to get out of his game. And um, yeah, this is, this is one of them. He, um, you know, he, 
put himself in a position where he could potentially seriously injure someone, he should have taken more care not to let that happen. So, I mean, I think Graham Annesley's come out and said it should have been a send-off. And I think given the nature of the tackle and the nature of the injury, it certainly should have been uh, a send-off. And I think a grade two reckless is probably about right. So, you know, I'm disappointed that we won't see um, Latrell Mitchell in the final series, but um, yeah, he's just, he's got to get this out of his game. Yeah, look, that's the price you pay for, for you know, like reckless is the key word, like you're saying, and that's, it, it was a, a tackle gone wrong. Um, and I mean, it is what it is. It's got to spend that time on the sideline. Meanwhile, um, I think this game, outside of that, that incident, we'll call it the ugly incident, this game really just highlighted how, uh, like, how much Souths need Adam Reynolds. And I'm still sort of grappling with it, like the, the, the fact that they've let him go somewhere else because, you know, when he was, uh, he, what, hyperextended his knee and uh, in a, you know, by himself, no, no illegal play there. And then from that point on, Souths just went into the doldrums. Like, they just, um, the mm. game changed completely. And then um, when the game, I want to say in the balance, but definitely, you know, potentially swinging back towards the Roosters, Wayne chucks Adam Reynolds back on and immediately the, the team turns yet again. So, um, you know, he's an excellent halfback. He's an excellent clubman. And it's a shame that he's, it's a shame that he's leaving. Yeah, it's, I mean, I know they're under huge salary cap pressure and they couldn't offer him uh, what he was worth, but he's going to leave a, a huge hole uh, next year. I guess, you know, the wash-up of this game, it, it really, I mean, Joey Manu is a huge out for the Roosters. They've been fighting admirably um, through a horror injury toll, but losing him as well. They, I know they get Adam Kieran back um, to, to at least, you know, fill a, a jersey, but no disrespect to Adam Kieran. But if you're talking about putting someone in the centres, Joey Manu is a huge strike weapon and, and Kieran's more of mm. a, um, a utility. The, the Roosters in, in sixth now, it's hard to see them going past the, the second week of the finals. For South. You know, potentially, you know, they took it to Penrith early on the, the week before with all their best players together and, and playing their best footy. They're a physical team with a lot of strike, but it's, you know, I think we're now talking about probably a two-horse race with with no Latrell for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I think he's, you know, he's just one of their strike players and without without uh, him and just going by their previous track record this year where they haven't necessarily stayed in games for the, you know, the full 80 minutes, it's, you know, it's, it's Melbourne and Penrith. Um, you know, with a, uh, a dotted line to South, maybe if they get a right on the day. Yeah, for sure. Um, the earlier Friday game, the Raiders 28 points to 16 over the Warriors. Um, two teams that I always tend to like seeing do well. So no, um, you know, no disrespect to, to Canberra, but Warriors up 16-0. I was really hoping for a um, you know, late season morale-boosting win for the uh, the Warriors, but all sort of fell apart after that. And um, again, another game where a couple of late tries meant the score was not really reflective of the way the game panned out. But uh, Raiders 28 on its head points uh, certainly tells the story. Well, so like this all year, we've been saying, oh, the Raiders and these 12-0, when they get 12 nils up, they get all nervous and they start to get the shakes. Flip, flip that on its head. You go 16 nil down, and then you start applying the pressure. Um, yeah, it would have been a great, a great, a great win for Raiders fans, um, and for a couple of Raiders players like Jordan, Jordan Rapana. Um, you know, he is he is just a solid effort player. Like every single his facial expression, no matter what he's doing, looks like he's doing it like 110. percent Like he's got nothing left to give. Uh, and I thought he was like one of the key players in this game, and it was really good to see um, my mate CNK. Uh, go back in his preferred position and um, and have a pretty good game as well. Um, even if it was at the expense of um, uh, Bailey Simonson, who unfortunately uh, got hooked after a couple of couple of uh, calamitous misses. But we spoke last week again on the Warriors about how when it came down to that clutch moment, um, to, you know, to ice the game, the ball went to Reese Walsh, who's an, you know a relatively inexperienced eighteen year old. Why wouldn't it have gone to Chad Townsend? 
And the same thing sort of happened happened this week as well. Like when when match defining moment, the Warriors seem to just always be relying on this poor teenage kid, and it just doesn't seem like uh, you know he's inexperienced, right? It's his first season. He's eighteen years old. There's got to be another like they have to have another option. Um, and I hope I hope they realize that and build to it because, um, yeah, you know when it came down to it, he he uh, yeah he, he couldn't ice the game when he needed to. Yeah, I mean, I guess these are all going to be learning experiences for for Reece Walsh to be coming in and taking on this much responsibility at such a young age. As, as long as he sort of bounces back from this and, and learns from it, he could be a, a real clutch, you know, game-breaking player of the the future with these, you know, the, you learn from your mistakes or the, the moments that you don't ice. So I can see him having some huge match-winning performances into the future. Um, I have to agree with you about Charles de Cookstar. Just wonderful to see him back out there and playing some good footy. He did some wonderful stuff. I thought him along with um, Jordan Ruppin were, were real game-breakers for the Raiders in the second half. Um, I do believe that Bailey Simonson, uh, while having a, a couple of unfortunate at um, misses in uh, under the high ball. I think he might have hurt himself. I believe he uh, tweaked a, a groin and uh, had to get pulled out of this one uh, injured. So there's a chance it'll be a chance to start with Jordan Ruppiner on the wing and no Bailey next week uh, if his groin is not up to uh, coming back uh, within one week. But um, for the Raiders, I guess the last thing to say here is it does keep him in the top eight hunt if they beat um, as I said earlier, the injury ravaged Roosters and Sharks go down to Melbourne um, unless the Titans do something. Well, no, if they win, yeah, the, the Titans can't catch them. So, yeah, Raiders can still make the top eight. So, um, fate not quite in their own hands, but uh, a huge opportunity for them. Yeah, and how unlikely after, you know, it looked like they were just going to tumble out the back with, um, you know, uh, with, with no glory at all halfway through this season to sort of see if they can salvage something. Good signs in the capital. Back to the first game of the round. We've uh, already spoken to Mitch Barnett uh, a little bit. We'll just run our eyes over it. 15 points to 14. The Knights over the Titans. Uh, wasn't always pretty. The Titans probably had uh, the better of field position and possession and the opportunities, but uh, weren't able to ice them. And Knights hung in there grimly and got the job done. 15 points to 14. A clutch match-winning field goal from Mitch Pierce. the difference. And it means that Newcastle will finish seventh on the ladder and they'll play finals for the second year running. So huge result for them and their fans. Were I a Titans fan, I would be saying last week they were in a position to uh, to win and they let it slip. And you know what? That's against Melbourne. Melbourne are a champion team. That's okay. This week, same thing, but against Newcastle, like the, that's they can't, they shouldn't have let this game go. Like Newcastle, they got the result, but Newcastle weren't convincing for my mind. I mean, they, um, they, I think we've got had um, Jared Wallace not charged down. Uh, an attempted field goal to give Newcastle back possession in great field goal territory. The result could have gone, you know, anyway. Like it could have gone the other way quite easily. The Titans, uh, they should have won this game. Well done to Newcastle. Um, but you know, take away Kalen Ponga and because he was really seemed to be the only thing that kind of was working for them. Um, take him out and like what have they got? Yeah, I mean the the, the good thing for the Knights is that they, they're alive in the comp. They've got a, a week um, next week with very low stakes in terms of the ladder just to, to work on a few things. They can rest players if they want. They can, um, you know, try a few things if they want. And then they've got um, at least one finals game to, uh, to show what they can do and, and get it right. So, um, and, you know rather be there and, and have a chance than, than not. Uh, it's a tough one with those charge downs. I was thinking that at the time, but as a, you know, as a front row rushing up, you, you know, you're trained to do that. You're trained to get in the way, stop the, the field goal coming. But you know, I guess the, um, the flip side can be that, you know, I mean, if the, the team attacking gets the ball back, they've suddenly got a, a full set to conjure something else. 
Yeah, I mean, had that first field goal attempt, like, had you had he not gone for the charge down and the field goal successful, like, you're sort of damned if you do damned if you don't, right? Like, yeah. That's just, just, that's just the way it goes. Anyway, that is all eight games from round 24. We uh, have one more round of the regular season to go. Still three teams fighting for one spot at the bottom of the eight. The other seven spots are finalised other than the order. Um, Kenny Scott, thank you once again for being here. Thanks once again to the Knights and uh, Mitch Barnett for dialing in earlier. And thanks everyone for listening. We're back this time next week. 